HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Comté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. This is Coral, host of Meant to be Eaten on Heritage Radio Network. I've been a part of the HRN community for two years, and even after all that time, I'm constantly inspired by the incredible voices of our network. Each week, I record my show in the HRN studio, made from two recycled shipping containers, because I'm excited to bring you, our listeners, the most important stories existing at the intersection of food and culture. All of us here at HRN make food radio because we love it. This year, HRN is celebrating its 10th anniversary, but we need your support to keep food radio going strong for the next decade. Join the HRN community today by becoming a member. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate right now. You can even show some love for my show by selecting Meant to be Eaten in the designation drop-down menu. Thanks for listening to HRN. and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santigate. On today's show, we'll be exploring the specialty food broker's role in the cheese industry supply chain. As product travels from producer to the final retail point of sale or restaurant point of sale, I suppose, a broker can help shepherd sales success and brand awareness. As a business model, a broker can be one solo entity representing a small handful of producers, or there are examples of larger scale businesses with regional or national boots on the ground. My guest today is Amy Thompson, owner of Full Shelf Foods, a newer specialty food broker business. Amy, welcome to Cutting the Curd. It's great to be here. Um, so for our listeners who don't know you, uh, let's let's give a rapid fire kind of resume here. You, in, in my knowledge, you, you're you mostly, I think of you as mostly being a former Murray's and Lucy's Way person, but you have had a number of different roles. Give us the, give us the quick list of your cheese industry. Uh, the quick list. Okay. My first cheese job was at Murray's mm-hmm. at Grand Central and then at Bleecker Street in the old little store before it was a new big store. Right, right. Pre, <clears throat> pre-multiple renovations. Right. And I 
Then um, I sold cheese for Consider Bardwell at the Green Market. Oh. I worked for Boqueria, a Spanish restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and did all the cheese plates during dinner service. So you did service at Boqueria. You were service. there on the floor. Oh, cool. Yes. Okay. So there's your. Re- so you've got restaurant thrown in there too. Restaurant thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Farmers market thrown mm-hmm. in there. Um, and then Lucy's Way. Um, for five and a half years mm. and two summers I opened the outpost in the Hamptons. All right. And Lucy's Way doesn't do the Hamptons outpost anymore, but that was a mainstay of the business for a while though, right? Right. That's where Lucy started and, mm. um, they had a really great following. Yeah. Yeah. Hamptons. It's, I, I, I was lucky enough to go once and it's like, I mean, the Hamptons is great and weird for all kinds of different reasons, but like the fact that there was a cute cheese shop there felt very right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Lucy's Way, you opened the you you did summers in the Hamptons at that outpost. You were at Lucy's Way here in the city in Chelsea Market. Yeah, so uh Lucy's Way, I was there for five and a half years. I opened the um first city location in Chelsea Market mm-hmm. in two thousand and nine. And then um as as we grew we and opened us another location on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And so... At and that's the, the current location. Well, it closed oh, yeah. last summer. How could I forget? This is like me blanking out. <laughs> this is like me want, not wanting to know. I was honored that um, the team, the current, or the, the, the last team in place there let me know in advance and I could go and say oh, goodbye. good. Before it was shuttered. Right. Um, but so then from Lucy's Way, I went to work for an import and distribution company, mm-hmm. World's Best Cheese. Mm-hmm. Many uh, retail buyers and anybody who receives deliveries in a specialty cheese shop may know of World's Best. Iconic uh, logo on the trucks, too. Yes. Full-blown There's a flying mouse. Cheese. <laughs> Famous flying mouse. Yeah, and I think, you know, I had, as a, at a retail level, I had had such a curated selection hmm. um, and very, you know, small batch artisan cheeses in Lucy's Way, and then I kind of learned about the whole world of cheese, mm. um, the, the whole spectrum, spectrum. and... It, which was awesome mm-hmm. and price points and sizes and hmm. uh, thousands of items and wow. from all over the world. So it was. Did, did you get a window into lo- the logistics side of that as well, being on the importer distributor? Uh, yeah, because the, I mean, the the logistics affect how and when the customer get mm-hmm. the product. So right. so I was aware um, of the back the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah, there was great cheese, and I learned so much. Mm-hmm. So many things that I hadn't tasted before in that warehouse. Yeah, very interesting. And then that brings you to where you are today, I believe. Well, yes and no. So <laughs> so when I was at World's Best, I think the most challenging part of distribution mm-hmm. is um, is the number of items and the immediacy and the logistics. Mm. And Mm. I was overwhelmed and I, I, you know, oftentimes in our careers, we learn what we want to do by do, by doing uh, something we don't want to do something that we don't want to do. It's the main way that I've learned in in my my whole life. (laughs) Uh, so, um, so, the immediacy, the orders, mm. um, the day to day was was a lot, and I wanted to be in a role that was more about building relationships and strategy mm. and and you know long term sales development for for artisan food. And mm-hmm. so um, I really was looking for a role to, 
as a manufacturer's rep so hmm. that I could um, build build one brand in in the market right. and and focus my efforts on maybe 10 items instead of thousands of items. Right. And go, kind of do a deep dive on the producer side. Yes. And, and I did that. You did that. And you did it within the dairy industry. Yeah. So I but went to a work. A step away from cheese. I know. Just a, <laughs> just for a minute. Yeah. Um, McConnell's Fine Ice Cream from Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took... Um, took on the role of the East Coast sales manager, and I was their first employee outside of California. Wow. So it was really fun um, to work with such a great brand and launch uh, in a new market. Hmm. And um, a lot of my cheese friends were concerned for me. (laughs) How would I survive without, you know, tasting and touching and talking about cheese every single day? Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the first, (laughs) that was your first venture into like a non-cheese Right. Day to day. Right. But to me, I mean, McConnell's is actually a producer. They're making ice cream from scratch in mm. their own facility. Mm. Um, so it's still the story of, of good dairy and how high quality products are manufactured. Did you have, were you nervous? Did you have some anxiety about, you know, what life would be like without cheese every day as you were stepping into that role? Yeah. <laughs> But then I thought, what happened? well, I'm going to have ice cream every day. Yeah, I mean, so. hey, if, for me, honestly, I'm not even just saying this. Ice cream is a close second on the hierarchy of delicious foods that I love. <laughs> um, so how did it how did it go? It it went really well. I think that, you know, I was really inspired by the opportunity that the sky's the limit that, you know, I'm, I'm paving my own way and, um, no one, you know, no one has done exactly what I'm doing before. So new territory, new conversations, Mm. new relationships. Mm. Um, it was really fun and people love ice cream. Yes. It's a happy, that's a happy product to sell. And it's so funny because often when I really get into talking about McConnell's, someone will just say to me, before I can even explain what, what makes the ice cream that I'm selling amazing, mm-hmm. they say, but do you know this brand? And I'm like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> I understand you have a favorite, but I'm trying to tell you about the best ice cream in the country. Did you find that there was a difference among ice cream fans and buyers and cheese buyers when you're trying to sell a product? Like, like did you have a different type of interaction or whether it was there a different character to the interaction you were having when trying to sell ice cream versus the times you were trying to sell cheese? Um, I mean, definitely that cheese conversation can get more involved and, mm. um, and people are more particular. I think in ice cream, it's, it's either a yes, 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 or a hmm. no, I'm a vegan. No, I'm on a diet. No, thank you. It's sort I of just like a dead lunch. end. There could be a dead end. Right. There's a dead end. There's not yeah. necessarily a conversation. Interesting. That makes cheese, sense. Yeah. So I'm excited to be back with some cheese. Yes. Okay. So that yeah. brings us to today, which um, I'm very excited to have you. I, I'm excited to talk about your new segment, uh, like the, the segment of the business that you're now in, but also to hear you describe your business, Full Shelf Foods. So, so... For me, can you give me your elevator pitch? Like, what what is Full Shelf Foods? Uh, 
So Full Shelf Foods is um, a company where I work with artisan food producers to get their products on the shelf. Mm. So I work on behalf of the producer, mm -hmm. and I'm a matchmaker in a way to connect all the dots, the maybe the category manager, the retail buyer, and the distributor partner mm. to, to, get, um, to get the product on the shelf. That, I love the way you said that you're a matchmaker because I think that's a perfect way to put it in terms of like a specific role that, that connects these links in the supply chain. And it, it's, it feels like something that's, when you say it out loud, pretty straightforward, but it's a specialized skill. You have to know who to even talk to and how to set things up. And um, did you find that through your entire experience leading up to this point that it's almost like you've built a lot of relationships, but contacts, like, like have your other experiences prepared you for this work that you're doing right now? Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I've been selling cheese for almost 15 years mm -hmm. or, or more. Or more. <laughs> uh, so definitely I, I know a lot of people in the business mm -hmm. and that is an asset. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I had the, the idea to start a company like this because I've been on every side of the conversation and right. I understand what's missing, mm -hmm. um, especially with artisan producers that don't necessarily have a full, you know, outside sales team. Right. Maybe they, they just have a sales manager that's, you know, in their office, right. not out on the streets. So, right. so I really fill a void. Hmm. Um, when did you start thinking about this business, creating this business? It's funny, I had industry friends tell me right um, when I was between Lucy's Way and World's Best, like, well, mm -hmm. you should just do your own thing. Right. It's needed. Uh -huh. You can do this. And I I wasn't ready at the time. Mm. Um, why do you think you weren't ready? Well, or why did you think you weren't ready? I think because I was, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to get to the part about work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> and when Good. I was running a retail store, mm -hmm. I did not have that. Mm. So I think that was why after, after uh, Lucy's Way, I was not ready for the creative and endeavor of starting a company. It requires a certain amount of energy and like lucidity, I feel like. And in, in my experience as well, after running retail shops, like those moments when the, those gigs end are not my top moments. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I had a, you know, sabbatical, so to speak. Yes, ne a necessary sabbatical, I'm sure. And okay, so that makes sense. So you kind of went in to explore things on the distrib distribution end. When did that, when did those questions from your colleagues start like percolating and becoming more of an idea? I think, you know, as I thought about what I want to do with my whole life and what is important to me, mm -hmm. you know, being involved with good food and, um, and being a champion for, um, products that are high quality and sustainable and unique. Uh, you know, it, I couldn't, I knew I would need to go beyond just ice cream, mm -hmm. but the ice cream is so fun. So I thought, well, I should, I should have the best of each category. Mm. And friends of mine um, who import Spanish products, they had the same idea. And so we kind of had a meeting of the minds to build a full shelf foods together mm -hmm. um, with 
you know, with the idea of having the best goat cheese company and the best charcuterie and mm-hmm. the best olive oil and the best ice cream and the best um, preserves, jams, olives, olives, all the things that go with cheese. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've I've had, you know, conversations with um, all different kinds of uh, food producers, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm still drawn to the cheese category the specialty Mm. category so so anything that fits in the deli or the cheese counter is I think in my wheelhouse got it I was gonna ask like do you find that any other categories have crept up in competing for like the majority of your heart (laughs) it's hard I mean you know I'm working with New York Shook they produce Mm -hmm. Middle Eastern Pantry. I love their... Is it Harissa that they do? Signature Harissa yeah, paste. Yeah, it's so good. And they also have a spice blend that I have in my cabinet. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I mean, I've been blown away by the flavor of these spice mixes mm-hmm. and the preserved lemon paste and mm-hmm. the things that, you know, ingredients I didn't have in my kitchen that now I have a whole new repertoire of hmm. recipes hmm. with just a few additional ingredients. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that, you know, that product line, it belongs in the grocery category and, Uh and that's where it is, but then it also belongs in every specialty store. Hmm. And I've done cheese pairings with, with these ingredients and it's really fun. Ooh, what's your go-to pairing with the Harissa? Uh, well, I think an aged cheddar or Mm. provolone, Mm. but the Harissa makes the best crudite dip with Greek yogurt. Ooh. Right? Yeah. So just two ingredients and mix, mix it up. It in. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Or on top of burrata. Oh, well, anything on top I of know. burrata. I mean, come on. I know. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, it's actually time for a quick break. So we'll be back in a moment with more from Amy Thompson of Full Shelf Foods. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same, Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Wow. 
Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and I'm here with Amy Thompson. So in the first half of our show, we talked about your experience in cheese, your 15 plus years of experience in cheese, which is pretty amazing. And what I love about your story is how you have navigated various different angles of this business. You know, it's like going from full on retail, full on urban craziness retail to farmer's market, to uh, distribution, importing, uh, to stepping a little bit outside of the cheese, the comfort of the cheese industry, and then now back with kind of like a broader scope, but a very specialized list with full shelf foods. Um, it's very inspiring, Amy, and I'm excited for uh, our listeners to sort of hear little nuggets from this tale and think maybe that's a segment of the industry I would love to try out. Um, anyway, now for the second half of our show, I'd love to hear more about uh your experience now uh, running this business, creating, you know, you opened cheese shops, you opened a, a whole new segment of the business for McConnell's, and now here you are building your own completely new business. So entrepreneurial endeavors are not new to you. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you prioritize your time. We, I'd like to like talk about two things. How do you decide how much work is enough work? Because I think for freelancers, I know in my own experience, that can be a very tricky equation to navigate. Um, so how much work is enough work? And then how do you, how do you segment your day without sort of the structure of a traditional business or a manager of some kind telling you when you should show up and leave? How do you know when to start and when to end your day? Oh, those are all tough questions. <laughs> I mean, for there's always more work. Mm -hmm. How much is enough work? No, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, sometimes feel like an overachiever, but I'm not going to work. I know now when I'm good at work and when I'm not good at work. And what do you mean by that? Um, I need to be well rested. Mm. I, I, I need a full night's sleep and I need to work in the morning mm. and I might be able to answer an email or two in the evening, but it's, you know, I can't in, engage in a whole project. Right. Unless it's an event. Right. That's, where it's, yeah. I'm talking about cheese. Yeah, that, that yeah. works. Any yeah. time of day for that. But um, I will answer emails here and there on the weekend. Oftentimes, I will write all the emails on the weekend and send them on oh, Monday. Oh, very because nice. Because I don't think people need to know when I get my work done. Hmm. And I'd rather it be, you know, about the Monday through Friday because I want to respect right. um, people's work-life balance. Right. You know, I actually just noticed that, and this is not a plug in any in any way, but I mean... Many people use Gmail. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that there's a new feature where you can schedule an email. Oh, that's great. I know. And I thought, well, that's amazing. Like, that's what anybody who's sending emails over the weekend should be doing, especially if they manage other right. people and that's who they're sending them to. Right. And there's a plug-in in Gmail that you can get red receipts so you can see when people, Whoa. I know I haven't gone, I haven't gone there, but I could see that, you know, that's a, that's like a power that could be used for good or not. It's like, it'd be great if you really wanted to help people in your, 
in your uh, company use like have better work life balance right. if you get in trouble for reading a work email on a Saturday right. that'd be no. amazing I think there's a whole another podcast about email <laughs> etiquette and work life balance so is the, this brings up an interesting question is email the main way that you communicate with your producers and customers or are you trying to be in person a certain percentage of the time uh, what does that look like yeah, I mean, email definitely is mm-hmm. the primary way. Um, but I have two part-time people working with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in stores um, meeting new buyers all the time. And what are the part-time, like what are those uh, uh, roles? What are they Well, uh, I mean, I, I didn't give it a title. I guess they're <laughs> a broker rep just like me uh-huh. um, for Full Shelf Foods. Um, and we agreed on a number of stores per day, so a scope of work per day and then a per day rate. Mm-hmm. And so And that's in person. Right. So they're in person meeting in stores. And we are using a CRM cloud based mm-hmm. software Ooh. to log our visits and track our mm-hmm. our progress. Which one do you use? It's called One Page. Okay. So it I don't think I could do my job without it because mm. I have many balls in the air yeah. all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and people will say, can you, can you get in touch with me next month? Or, right. you know, we're making decisions about that in the second quarter. Mm. And so I, I have to do my follow-up. Right. At the right time. At the right time. And is that, does that, it's, I'm glad you mentioned the CRM because I was going to ask you about how technology plays a role in building your business these days. And, uh, does it also act like a note-taking kind of repository? Like, is your whole kind of like sales side of things operating out of that program? Yeah, I, I think so, because I can make assignments to my colleagues. Mm-hmm. They can make notes and mention me. They can give assignments back to me. Hmm. Um, so instead of having an email exchange, a text exchange, it, you know, right. we're doing it within... Um, our contact. I feel like there's two amazingly smart things about doing it that way. One is, first of all, from a company health and, and, uh, kind of like, I I don't want to use the word security, but it's like from a company point of view, it's like great to have all of that information in one place that's owned by the company. Right. Right. And as a retailer, I'm sure you had a similar mindset in terms of like documenting stuff. It's like, you just want to have all of the information so that as people come and go, or if somebody's sick or if somebody has an emergency, the company could still function without missing a beat. So that's the first part about it. And the second part which I think is really important, and I'm excited to see people in the food industry doing this more and more, is using technology as a way to work more asynchronously, to like not be waiting for other people to do things at certain time, but almost like you're scheduling your emails or something, somebody can enter information in the CRM at at, at the time when they're working, and then when you're ready to see it, it's there for you to see. You don't have to ask for it. Seems like a huge time saver. I think so. Mm -hmm. And, you know, spreadsheets are great for numbers Mm -hmm. and projections, not great for note taking. Or project planning. Or project planning. I think you really run into like a manual dead end there. Interesting. So, okay, so you've got this team. Now, tell us, when did Full Shelf Foods launch? Uh, So we launched, we incorporated in February 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, And... 
at the time, I had business partners mm -hmm. and who were importing Spanish products. Um, right. Many of our listeners know Philosophy Foods. Yes, big, so, big fans. Right, and so then this spring, this January in 2019, we we separated. Mm -hmm. So um, our business needs took separate directions, and we had an amicable part parting. Mm -hmm. But uh, the responsibility got real. <laughs> now it's all yours. It's me. <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. Was that sort of on the horizon for a while? And I'm wondering like, what, was that a goal of yours at some point? And then how does it feel now that you're there? It feels great. Yeah. Okay. Um, it wasn't a goal of mine. I mean, I really work well in collaboration mm. and my, part of, part of the exciting, um, time, creating a business is is working with people who have different experiences that I do and mm. we can collaborate. So, yeah. um, but that being said, uh, it's great. I'm yeah. ready for the next chapter. It's going well. Yeah. Uh, how's your stress level? How has it changed? It was pretty intense uh, earlier this spring mm -hmm. and now um, it's manageable, I think. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, now tell us how you're managing it. Do you do certain things? And this kind of relates back to my question about your day-to-day -day of like, how do you, I know for me, when I go through periods of doing more consulting, more freelance work, I have a, I have a harder time managing my anxiety about how to... I don't know, just like, will I keep getting opportunities? Or if I'm, if I'm overloaded, how can I say no to opportunities? I feel a lot of anxiety about that personally. Um, so how do you have any techniques or any things you do or boundaries you set for yourself that help with that kind of thinking? Or maybe you don't have that problem. <laughs> um, I know that you, you and I actually do something similar, what's that? which is our, we have a shared love of acupuncture. Oh yes, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's funny. Your your physical well being is connected to your mental mm -hmm. uh, well being as well. So, and and managing stress, I think that I'm doing much better with a regular exercise routine. Mm. Yeah, and those like basics. Basics is so important. And I know, just sitting down and having dinner with a friend or family. Mm -hmm. I mean, just you know, putting down the computer. Mm -hmm. Um, so acupuncture exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, the work is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely better when I'm rested. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think I, I, I know very few people who are the opposite, who are not as good when they're well rested. Sometimes I've heard, I've people now and then mention that like you can get too much sleep and I have yet to experience that myself. No, I think <laughs> our bodies are pretty smart. They would, they know how uh, yeah, much you need. You know how much sleep if totally. you need. If you were kept sleeping, then you needed more sleep. <laughs> so, um, taking sort of a step back to the bigger picture thinking the sort of bird's eye view of the business, as you've been in this role as a specialty food broker, uh, you know, you have this longevity in our, in the specialty food industry. That's really incredible. You know, like 15 years of working in one realm really informs, you know, it's enough time that you can see trends, you can see 
the shifting kind of workforce and landscape. Is there anything that now that you're a specialty food broker, like how are you watching the industry as it relates to your own business? Like, what are you looking for to see? Like, is this a healthy industry? Like, what are, how's it going? Uh, how do you have your finger on the pulse in that way? Um, well, I do read a lot, but, mm-hmm. uh, you mean you read uh, like spe- like yeah special trade magazines trade email yeah. the emails um, mm-hmm. you know I think that I I really um, want to focus on high quality and artisan producers mm. and so um, it's tough because there's new brands and new products all the time and some of them are compelling and have beautiful packaging but do they have the staying power? Mm. Do they really belong in the marketplace long term? Hmm. Um, and, you know, things definitely naturally shake themselves out. But right. I, my goal is to identify brands that, um, that have staying power hmm. and, um, and that people would pick up off the shelf having never bought something like that before hmm. because the messaging, the packaging, the flavor is that interesting. So what what are some of the criteria for for that staying power? That's mm, I mean that's like that's, a tricky it's yeah, a tricky thing and it, I assume actually after you've been a buyer for so long it's like a lot of it is probably intuitive. Right. I have right? a friend who's a buyer and she's like, yes, no, yes, no. And yeah. she just looks <laughs> right. at it and she knows. Right. You like, don't have like a little checklist as a buyer. <laughs> yeah. You know, you she's, get it. It's a, she has a vision for like change. what works on the shelf and what doesn't. Yeah. Which is a, an amazing skill. Hmm. Um, I think, uh, I've, I've chosen to work with brands that are putting a lot of integrity into the product mm-hmm. and they're using traditional methods and high quality ingredients. And there's, there's a whole, um, story tr- about tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, really with the, um, Le Bon Mago mm-hmm. savory preserves mm-hmm. that pair wonderful with cheese and the New York Shuk, uh, the right. Israeli and Middle Eastern pantry staples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I'm also working with Beehive Cheese. All right, flavored cheddar mm-hmm. um, from Utah. Yeah, famous for the Barely Buzz. Yes, Barely Buzz has been around as long as I've been in cheese and longer. Yeah, what my you- and my current favorite, the Hatch Chili, oh. New Mexico Hatch Chili cheddar, mm. uh, and then Firefly Farms goat's uh-huh. milk cheeses from Maryland. Yes, uh, really, really cool creamy cheeses. Yeah. All right. No, we have to study all these brands to see if we can figure out listeners. You and I will figure out the criteria for the, uh, staying power here. (laughs) Um, wow. Well, I can't believe it, but we're actually near the end of our time together here in the studio, Amy. It's been great to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I think it's been really interesting to hear about your perspective and what you're bringing to this current role. Um, Tell our listeners the best way they can find out more about Full Shelf Foods and what you're doing and how to run into you at an event or see your products out for samples somewhere. Well, if anyone has questions, they can find me on Instagram or they can email me at amy at fullshelffoods.com. I do try to post about the brands on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I'm working on an email newsletter, but... um, I will definitely be at Fancy Food Show and Good Food Mercantile. Great. Two I, big New York City-based specialty food events coming up later this month. It will be really fun to connect with people. 
Awesome. Uh, well, thanks again so much for joining me. And uh, listeners, we'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.